This Is Us has defined us. And now it's time for more. God has more for us than we know. Do you want it all from God? More peace? More joy? More freedom? Then lean in as we experience more. More of us, this family, living all for Jesus. Thank you, sir. Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Good. I'm Scott Weatherford. I can't get my iPod, iPad to cooperate. Let's see. Come on now. Do y'all know the devil lives in technology? Did y'all know that? So it's good to see you guys. Let me share some exciting news for you. Last week, we concluded that this is us series. And so uh, I was going to call this next series Skeletons, Dealing with the Skeletons in Your Closet. But I thought that might be a little creepy, so we changed it to More of Us, okay? But last week in our This Is Us, the response in giving, I get this. This congregation pledged in pledges and in cash $1.4 million last week. Just overwhelmed with your generosity. Now, we're leaving this open until uh, December, through December. We'll see what God will do. But it sure puts us in a good position to start moving forward, to provide the space we need to build lives that honor him. So I'm really, really excited about this. Now, I know some of you right now are taking wagers on how long I will wear this jacket this morning. But I promise you, I shall endure to the end the perseverance of the saints. So we start this new series, More of Us, and what I wanted to do over these next four weeks leading up to Thanksgiving and the month of blessing, I wanted to teach some things that really will just penetrate your heart, that really will drive down into the very bedrock of your soul and give you freedom, give you freedom. And some of the topics that we're gonna deal with, well, I'll talk about those in a bit, But the reason I'm doing this, there's a few reasons. Because I think many of us live under a cloud of of condemnation, of suspicion, of of, uh, accusation. We live under this cloud. And this cloud really keeps us from living in freedom, really keeps us from enjoying one another in relationships. We have a tendency to believe the worst about people instead of the best about people. We have a tendency to believe that everyone's out to get us. We have a tendency to believe that our government is corrupt beyond all redemption. We have a tendency to believe everything we read on the internet. We have a tendency to live under a cloud. The great social reformer Martin Luther King Jr. said this, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty I'm free at last. Now, he was talking about the social ill of racism and the categorization of people into different class systems based on their ethnicity or their pigmentation. But I think we need to have a declaration of free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last because we're free from the cloud. We're free from the opposition. Tomorrow, I'm having surgery on my right eye. And uh, it's, uh, it's a cataract, it's no big deal. I know many of you, how many of y'all had cataract surgery? Raise your hand. 
yeah, okay. So y'all know, piece of cake, don't, don't sweat it. It's, it's no big deal. Yeah, so uh, I'm having that tomorrow. And I'm really looking forward to that. You know why? Because out of my right eye, I cannot see anything clearly. It's fuzzy. In fact, if I close my, right, if I close my left eye, y'all looking good this morning. <laughs> so I, I, I'm really nervous about getting my right eye back because I'll see myself in the mirror and go, oh, anyway. But I need to have the cataract removed from my spiritual life, don't you? That you need to really live in freedom. And so today we're gonna talk about living forgiven. Now, this is what I've discovered. That uh, when, I'm, when I'm at odds with someone, I have a tendency to distance myself from that someone. Aren't you the same? That I don't really, I know I'm at odds, and it may be something they've done or something I've done. It's usually something I've done, but I don't want to blame myself. I want to blame everybody else or the circumstances. That's just me. Anybody else like that? Okay, I heard a few giggles and grumbles, so we won't preach online. We won't add this to the list. But I think it's true. Uh, It's true with Tara and my family and my friends that I pull away when I feel like I'm I'm at odds. When I know I messed up and I need forgiveness, but I want to stay distant because I don't want to confess it. I don't want to admit it. And I read something this week. It's after I wrote this talk. In fact, I I got busy this week. I wrote this talk and I wrote next week's talk and I wrote my AGM talk. I just kind of wrote all kinds of talks this week. And I'm just really excited about what I have to share. A.W. Tozer, who's a great theologian of the last generation, he said this, because of the stain of our sin, our sinfulness, we have a difficult time understanding God's forgiveness. Even though we have the intellectual power to understand theologically that we have been forgiven, it's the callous on our soul of the stain of sin that keeps us from living in freedom. And that we're reminded of who we once were. I think this is, um, this is very interesting. The Tozer said this, we fret ourselves with the pain of guilt, thus blocking us from the reality of God and his forgiveness. We fret ourselves with the pain of our guilt, thus blocking us from the reality of God and his great forgiveness. Now, many belief systems play off that human, that human experience and even teach that you can't be forgiven unless you confess, and that confession is best done with the priest present. And I, and I, I wrote that, and I want to be careful with that because I don't want to sound condemning, but I want to give you some freedom here. Confession, well, we'll talk about this more, but I want to say this. When a religious hierarchy becomes a dispenser of exoneration, then that hierarchy can lead to spiritual abuse. One of the treatises of the Protestant Reformation is that God is the, is the sole dispenser of grace, the sole dispenser of forgiveness, and therefore I don't have to confess my sins to you. And as your pastor, I don't want to hear your sins. Take it to Jesus, all right? Some of y'all, I wouldn't tell anybody but Jesus, all right? Just say it. So I understand this. Now, I've preached several sermons about forgiveness and about having been forgiven to one another, but 
for some reason, I really never dug into the theology of how God forgives us. So I'm excited about this from my standpoint, that this is stretching me. And hopefully, now some of y'all are going, where you been? I've known this all my life. Some of you are going to go, aha. Some of you are going to say, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. But wherever you are, whoever you are, God has a word for you today. And that word is about freedom. Now, some of the topics we're going to be covering in this four-week series, and I hope you don't miss any of them, we're going to look at living in forgiveness. We're going to deal with worry. Worry. We're going to deal with generational sin. Next week's talk is on generational sin. If y'all get bored with this one, I'll just jump to that one, okay? Because that one's ready too. Dealing with generational sin. And then finally, right before Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about living in God's presence. How do you really abide in the presence of God? How do you intentionally abide in the presence of God? Now, does this sound helpful to you guys? So we're going to do this, but we're not going to do this quote-unquote topically. We're going to do this exegetically. We're going to pull apart God's Word and see what God's Word says about these things. It's not going to be my opinion or social studies or psychological psychobabble. We're going to see what God says about these very human conditions, and I think we'll be changed. Now, this morning, we're going to deal with forgiveness. Now, let me give you some forgiveness facts, okay? So you might want to get get your pen out, get your paper out, and start writing these things down. Now, we've gone to an insert on our note pages because some of y'all didn't have enough room to write down everything. And so we want to give you plenty of room to write down the things you need to write down because I think it's really important that you remember. No one... No one likes to admit that they're wrong. Isn't that true? No one likes to admit that they're wrong, especially if you're married. You don't like to admit you're wrong. Most people don't confess until they're caught, and then they don't tell at all. They find out how much you know, and then they confess up to the measure of your knowledge. That sounds like our government, doesn't it? Forgiving yourself is essential to living free. Most people think it's spiritual not to forgive yourselves when in reality it's arrogant. Well, I just can't forgive myself. Really? God has forgiven you. What makes you think you can't forgive you? Are you greater than God? Of course, we know the answer to that one. I will distance myself when I know I'm wrong. And we've talked about that already. God is not into guilt. God is into grace. God is not into guilt. Now, he is into conviction, which is different from guilt. Conviction is the awakening of our need. Guilt is the prolonging of our dysfunction. Oh. He'll convict to lead to grace, not convict to lead to guilt. Huh. I could go on. But I'd rather turn our attention to the reality of forgiveness and how God moves and how I can live free. Are y'all ready for this? Father, thank you for what you're going to say this morning. And I pray, Father, that you clear up the fuzziness of my thinking. You unleash the, the clumsiness of my tongue. And you speak to these people as only you can speak. They do not need to hear from me. I am a windbag full of nonsense and noise, but you are the breath of life that gives us hope. 
So we need to hear from you this morning. And I thank you that you were faithful and you were good and you're going to speak. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now I want to encourage you with a couple of things. I want you, if you've not done this already, to sign up for Right Now Media. Now, how do you do that? Take that contact card, put your name and your email address, and you just put sign me up. And we will sign, we will send you a code that you can access Right Now Media. Right Now Media is the Christian Netflix, basically. And it's free. We paid a subscription. It's full of great resources. We have our own Right Now Media page. We load content to that as well. Uh, so you can access our content plus a plethora of content and many, many, many talks, many instructions, many videos about forgiveness you'll find there on Right Now Media. So we want to give you that opportunity to do that. Very soon, our new website will roll out where you'll see tons of content and tons of access to great information that we are developing right now because we live in a digital age. Did y'all know that? Do you know that my kids, my children, do not know how to write a check? Because they do everything electronically. That's kind of like, to me. But I, I get it, I understand it, and we have to move with the times. So here's the first thing I want us to talk about. We have to understand the nature of God. Now, the highest thoughts you think are your thoughts about God. That's the highest thoughts you think. And when we say the nature of God, let me say this to you. You'll never fully understand the nature of God. He is too great. He's too powerful. He is, he is beyond our comprehension. But we can take a glimpse at his nature to understand some things. Now, one thing you need to know, that God is immutable. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean he can't be hushed? No, well, he can't be hushed. But immutability means he will not change. And that gives us security. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who, who changed from day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour? Have, have you ever had that kind of relationship? Some of you have that relationship with your dog. Your dog will love you one second and bite you the next second, right? That's not a good dog to have, by the way. And some of you have relationships with people that are like that. You never know where they are or how they're going to be. Uh, someone asked me uh, the other day, asked, actually they asked Tara the other day, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? She goes, no, I let him sleep. <laughs> so it's the volatility of relationships. God will not change. He is always loving. He is always good. He is always full of tender mercy and kindness. He's always moving on our behalf. This is God. This is who he is, the nature of God. Now, we're going to see what Pastor John had to say to his people on this subject. Let me read for you out of John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Now, this is the message we heard from Jesus. <clears throat> so he's apostolic authority. This is what we got from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. Now that is a huge statement there that we'll come back to and look at again. But in the nature of God, God is all light, he is not dark. He is not the yin-yang God 
of, of Confucianism. He's not. He's not, there's a good side and a bad side that's what the Gnostics taught. He's not that at all. God is all good. He's all light. There is no evil in him. Now, when John was writing this, the philosophy of that day was the contrast between good and evil. We still have that contrast between good and evil. Do you know that most of the movies you watch today are the battle between good and evil? It's the human theme, the battle of good and evil. And God is saying, I'm all good. There is no evil in me. And so all my intent, all my moving is never for evil. It's always for good. God is always moving on our behalf. Now, God is repulsed by sin. Sin separates us from God. He's repulsed. And I use this when I talk to people about their spiritual condition. I'll use this illustration. You can use it as well. I say, when, when you're a little baby, you're first born, here you are with God. Y'all, you and God are good because you have not, now you're stained by sin. Now listen to me very carefully. Just because you have the propensity to sin doesn't mean you're guilty of the sin. What? Just because you have the propensity of sin doesn't mean you're guilty of sin. But you're born a sinner. Did you know that? But you're not guilty of that sin because you're not in recognition of your guilt. When your children are old enough to understand sin and their rebellion against God, they're old enough to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. When I talk to children about salvation, the first thing I do is I said, have you ever sinned? And if they look at me and go, no, I know they're not ready. Now, when they start confessing their sins, I'll let them go a while so I can aggravate their parents. No, it's just, it's that process of recognition. So here you are and here, here's God. And then after a while, we start falling away in our rebellion. Now, God loves us too much to let us go. So God sent Jesus to die for our sins that we might be, get this, reconciled to God. That we might be reconciled to God. And what does reconciliation mean? It means to be made right, to brought back into fellowship. God is repulsed by sin, but God, since he's all good and all loving, he's moved on our behalf to cure us of our sin, to free us from our sin. Hmm. And God knows we're hypocritical. The old boy said to me, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I said, we got room for another one? Come on. We're all hypocrites, aren't we? We say one thing and yet we do another. We say, may say one thing and yet we think another. We pretend we're the great charade. God knows us. And he convicts us through the power of his Holy Spirit to be made right with him. Paul said it this way in Romans 7, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. Do you know that? Nothing good lives in you, your sinful nature. Did you know that? If you didn't, you need to come to grips with it. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what, I'm, what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And then he goes on to say, who will free me from this body of death? This body of death. Then he says, thanks be unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has freed me from the condemnation of the law and of sin and of death. You see, 
Sin not only separates us from God, but it also separates us from each other. That we are separated in our sinfulness from one another. The biblical word for fellowship is koinonia. And God wants us to live in a koinonia way. And that way is a deep fellowship, an abiding fellowship, a spiritual and relational intimacy with one another, that we bear one another's burdens, we care for one another, we meet one another's needs. In fact, if you're not connected in a church family, there's no way you can live out the one another's of Scripture. And the one another's of Scripture are many, 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 many. But sin separates us. This is what sin does to me. First of all, my sin makes me suspicious of you. Because I know me, I start worrying about you. Also, my sin, and, and here's the thing, and I'm just going to talk about me for a second. Y'all can deal with it. I would rather deal with sin management than sin cleansing. Sin management. And what does that mean? I really don't want you to know the content of my heart, so I'm going to create an external facade about who I really am so you think I'm more spiritual than I really am. Now, am I the only one who does that? Woo, we're going to talk about a lot next week, y'all. I want to project myself to the world different from the character of my heart. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to have to remember to put on the mask. I want to be free. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. I don't want to have to live under the pretense of pretending who I am I want to live in the freedom of who God says I am. Is this helpful? And so when we start peeling back these things, we go, oh, the nature of God is that he knows. If I have a broken relationship, then the first thing I need to do is look inside my own heart and say, what did I do? And I have an axiom I use, eat crow while it's warm Cold crow sticks in your throat. To admit and confess quickly. So I can root out sin before I try to restore that relationship. Then there's conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I love the Holy Spirit does this. He convicts me not to condemn me, but to lead me to repentance. And re repentance, metanome, means to change my mind and therefore change my trajectory. Oh. So the Holy Spirit brings conviction on me, and he usually says, Bubba, what are you doing? What should you be doing? What's going on here? You know this ain't right. You know you need to deal with it. I heard a preacher once say, I'm against sin except for the ones I enjoy. And I think that's called sin management, don't you? But God wants me to live free. God knows that we're sinners. Now listen to this. This is Psalm 103. Excuse me. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Now the word fear doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to reverence. That's what it means. It means to reverence God. It doesn't mean to go, oh, I'm scared of God. No, it means to reverence him. That's what it means. When you see the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, it really should be translated the reverence of God, the respect of God, the awe of God. We use the word fear here in our modern day vernacular. We, it doesn't register. We think we're scared of him, but that's not the way it's translated properly from the ancient language, the reverence of God. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. Dust. 
He knows you're just dust. Huh. Tara and I moved this week. I believe there was a lot of new people coming into being because we found a lot of dust. That's supposed to be funny, but it, it wasn't. And here's the cool thing, y'all. For everyone has sinned, we've all fall short of God's glorious standards. We're all separated. We're all sinners. It's the commonality of man. But we have forgiveness. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So what is sin? What is sin? Now, I'm not going to make a list that you can check. But I asked Siri, the great theologian Siri on my iPhone. And Siri said this, an immoral act, Siri, I'm not talking to you now. Go away, okay. (laughs) She just came up, okay. An immoral act that is considered a transgression against divine law. An immoral act that is considered a transgression against divine law. Now read that, and since we're, It's the sins we commit. Now, in today's society, (laughs) people just do what's right in their own mind and they don't even consider it sinful, right? And instead of looking at God's word and what God's word says about sin, our sinful condition, we make up the rules as we go. To that's a sin for someone, but that's not a sin to the same thing as not a sin to someone else. You know what that's called? Stupidity. But that's the kind of society we live in. So our job is not to condemn society. Our job is to bring redemption to society through freedom in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you guys pay attention to pop culture, but there's a guy named Kame West. He's married to Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian is a social influencer. have no idea what that means. In other words, she makes money just by being herself. I want that job, but I'm not going to get that job. Kame has come to Christ. He's come to Christ. Here's what's happening. Christians are rejecting his conversion, and non-Christians are disavowing his conversion. This morning, I heard on Fox and Friends, and I watch Fox occasionally. I can't watch long enough because I get mad. Uh, the American Bible Society has chosen to give away Bibles to every Kame West fan who wants a Bible. That's called leveraging, y'all. Because they may follow, follow Kame, Kame, Kanye, Kanye, that's the way you say his name. But we'd rather see them follow King Jesus. His latest album that dropped is called Jesus is King. He's been reading my blog. No, no. I just think it's fascinating that God wants to bring us into relationship with him. And then when he takes a person and he changes them, how quickly the church is to reject their conversion and how quickly the world is to pervert their conversion when we just should see what God is doing, in my opinion, in my opinion. If everything is okay with people, then how do we measure what God says is not okay? Through his word. There was a group of people during Paul's day who said, you know, the flesh is evil, but the spirit is good, and we could do anything we want to in the flesh. We can, you know, 
practice immorality and sexual immorality and we can do whatever we want to in the flesh because it really doesn't affect our spirit. And uh, that's really kind of how a lot of us practice our spirituality today. We could say anything we want to. We can create division and disunity. We can practice gossip and slandering and gluttony and all kinds of perversion, but then we can sing to Jesus because it really doesn't affect us. You know what? That's called antinomianism. That's the fancy word for it. But it's basically called rebellion and hypocrisy. Oh. And then there's sins of omission. When we know what we're supposed to do and we don't do it. When we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. Now, I'm not going to pick on you, but I'm going to say this. One of the greatest sins of omission that many, many of us commit is with our giving. We know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. And you're not cheating God. You're hurting yourself. You're missing the blessing of what God wants for you. Is there a sin that you could commit that God will not forgive? Is there there the unpardonable sin? Yeah, there is. I'll tell you what it is. It's rejecting Jesus as Savior. That's called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. When you reject Jesus as Savior... You committed the sin that cannot be forgiven. And your destiny is a devil's hell. That's the only sin God can't forgive. Oh. Some of you, in fact, I've heard this said by Christians before. I know that I've committed the unpardonable sin. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you given yourself to Jesus Christ? Yes, but I've done this or done that or done this or done that. I said, really? And Jesus can't forgive those sins? Well, I can't forgive myself. See, your lack of understanding of the forgiveness of God has locked you in a calloused, cataractic spiritual state instead of being free. Instead of being free. Come to Jesus and live. Come to Jesus and find forgiveness that's freeing and complete and full of hope. So how do I deal with my sin? Let's go on to see what John says about this in chapter one, first John. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I don't think anyone in this room is claiming that they're sinless, are they? I remember right out of seminary, went to my first deacons meeting, uh, and I sat there and this one deacon said, well, I'm thankful to God I haven't sinned in 20 years. And this is what my 25-year-old self said. You just blew that streak, buddy. Because if you say you don't sin, you're deceiving yourself. The truth's not in you. That's what John says. But if we confess our sins to him, who's to him? That's to Jesus. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. I like this translation, wickedness. Others translate it all unrighteousness. But I, I like the word wickedness. We're going to pull on that in just a second. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. 
So we have to deal with our sins. Conviction of sin is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that conviction should lead to us confessing, admitting the, the, the truth of our error. I'm going to confess this to God. Now, some sins are harder to admit than others, aren't they? Aren't they? I'm going to, get, I'm going to poke you a little bit, okay? Sins of sexuality are harder to confess than others. Lust, fornication, adultery, other forms of inappropriate sexual activity, it's harder to confess than others because it's so full of shame. Disunity, it's harder to confess because you have to realize that you have been a jerk. Did I just say that? Gossip. Having a conversation with someone not too long ago, I said, you know, this is borderline on gossip. But we'll talk about it anyway. Have y'all ever done that? Huh. Those are harder to admit because they're, they're right up front with us. And we don't like to confess until we're caught. And then when we're caught, we don't want to tell it all, right? And the conviction of the Holy Spirit. As I was writing this, I was, I was thinking, okay, God created me a pure heart, a clean heart of God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let me deal with who I am. I cannot deal with who these people that I love are. I can't do that. I, I can't drag them before you kicking and screaming and say, tell it all, brother, tell it all. I can't do that. But what I can do is I can lead you to where there's life. One beggar telling other beggars where I found bread. And that is in the care of God Almighty. Confession. Here's a question. I asked Dr. Cheatham this just a second ago. Do we have to confess our sins in order to be forgiven? Do we have to confess our sins in order to be forgiven? Here's the answer, yes and no. Yes and no. Let me explain this to you. And I wrote it down so I'd get it right. We live in the reality. Confession is for our benefit, not God. He knows. It's for our benefit, not God's. When you confess something to God, he's going to go, what? He already knows. Confession is the pathway towards cleansing cleansing. We must agree with God that what we have done is against him. That is confession. Why do we live with unconfessed sin? We live in the reality of forgiveness, but with the uncleansed conscience that causes separation from the source of life. God has not removed himself, but through our disobedience, we have distanced ourselves from God. This is a mystical separation that is not in the reality of our state of salvation, but keeps us from the desired intimacy God has for us. God wants me close to him, and he convicts me so that I might confess and draw near to him. Forgiveness and justification has already happened through the cross. He's faithful. God is faithful. He will forgive. He did so when he died on the cross. He forgave all your sins. 
Not just the ones you've done, not the ones you're doing, but the ones you're going to do. You live, when you accept Christ, you live in the condition of the forgiven. Now, should that give you a license to add on to your litany of dysfunction? No, that should lead you in love to become more like Christ, more like Christ. That's why we teach here. We are a church that builds lives that honor God. We want you to become like Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. Do you get that? He's faithful. He's just. He's faithful because he's done this on the cross. He's just. He's justified us through his blood. And the blood of Jesus cleanses from all our sins. To forgive us, he's done it. And then cleanse us. That word cleansing is amazing. It's an amazing word. And it means this. To be restored as if it never happened. To be restored as it has never happened. I sat on the dock at a youth camp with a 12-year-old girl whose father and his friends had repeatedly sexually molested her. And she says to me, how can I ever have a husband? How can I ever be a mom? Because I have been stained in this way. And I said, sweetheart, Jesus has the power to cleanse you as if it never had happened. Now, she was sinned against. She does not stand guilty before God because of the terrible acts of her father and his friends. But she lived under the weight of condemnation. And that day, she got free. That day, sitting with me on that dock, she gave her life to Christ. And the blood of Jesus cleansed her from all her sins and all her sinned against that's the power of the gospel, y'all. Some of you have been toting around the stain of sin for so long that it has identified you. In fact, you identify yourself by your sin and God says, no, I want to cleanse you. I want to remove the stain as if it never had happened. In fact, I've already done it. Will you just now let me finish it in your heart? Wow, I've already done it. Would you now live in the reality of it? I'm faithful and I'm just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then to live with this amazing intimacy with God. Now Satan loves, he loves for you to live in unconfessed sin. He loves it. In fact, what he'll do is he'll remind you of the sins that you confessed. He'll bring those back up. Or he'll drag you back into the addiction you left or to the behaviors you, you abhor. He will drag you back into those things. Satan loves to do that because Satan is an enemy of God and he hates you because you're loved by God. And just because you come to Christ doesn't mean Satan has taken his hand off you. In fact, when you come to Christ, you ratchet up the warfare of hell. 
When you say, Jesus, I'm yours, hell hears it. But more importantly, our Savior hears it. And he's got it. And he's got us covered. God is faithful. He has done his part. When I'm cleansed then, I choose to live in freedom. Listen to what Paul says after Romans 7. He says this in 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Wow. Most Christians, and I'm going to say this to you because I'm your pastor. Most of you are living an effectual life because you're shackled by the feelings of unforgiveness. It is time, my friend, to live in freedom and that reality. You have been forgiven, you have been cleansed, you've been released, and you've been empowered. So let's change the world. What shall I say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who could ever be against us? Since we did not, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares to accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us the right standing with himself. But then who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? If we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened by death? As with the scripture says, for your sake we're killed every day. We belong, we're like sheep being led to slaughter. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. Wow. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. Free at last. Tara and I had an old dog named Jed. Golden Retriever. Amazing dog. Every time we'd go in, he'd let him out in the backyard, he would go and check every gate to see which was open. Because he did not long to live in the confines of our backyard, he loved to roam the freedom of the neighborhood. Even when he was at an advanced age where he would get out and wander off with inability to come home, I'd get a call from one of my neighbors says, your dog has collapsed in my garage. Can you come get him? Because Jed knew it was better to live free than shackled by sin. What do you need to get free from? What has Satan been aggravating you with for 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 years. What is it? Have you been sinned against that you really need to feel the cleansing power of Jesus because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin? What have you fallen victim to habitually that you know you need to get rid of? What is separating you from your family and friends? What is creating disunity and division in this church, in this nation that we need to be free from? Can't we live life as free? Because if the Son has set you free, what happens? Free indeed. Free indeed.